0: Welcome to Podland. We're sponsored by Buzzsprout, the easiest way to host, promote and track your podcast. There at buzzsprout.com, your first 90 days are free. It's May the 20th, 2021. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net here in Australia.
1: And I'm Sam Sethi, the editor of Talks Technology here in the UK. I'm Adrian Spataro from cleanvoice.ai and later I'll be talking about getting rid of ERMS.
2: And I'm Lindsay Chepkema. and later today, I'll be talking about Casted, a way to help promote podcasts for business.
1: They will, Podlands
0: a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's podcasting news.
3: This week, which is bigger, Spotify or Apple, some clever artificial intelligence, and we go lossless. But first, the ambies, James. In the awards ceremony live from Los Angeles, California, the Ambies were announced. They are the first podcast awards from the Podcast Academy. Did you watch it, James?
0: They were, yes, I did. I watched it along with a back channel on Slack with a couple of friendly folk, including Evo Terra, and um, yeah, it was a great event. Very smart. The podcast of the year went to Wondery's Dying for Sex. Wondery ended up winning five different awards, which is good. They were the number one podcast studio. Crooked Media got four, Q Code got three. So yeah, it was a good it was a good positive showbiz good feeling award, which was great.
3: Excellent. Now I've never Heard, I should say, dying for sex. Is it worth listening to? Clearly, it's a winner.
0: Clearly, it is a winner. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be good if I put the Dying for Sex trailer on the end of Pod News for that day and then listened to it and then thought, don't think I'll probably be able to (laughs) broadcast that on podcast radio where the podcast goes out. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure that's going to work. There we go. But it's a great story of essentially someone who didn't have um, long to live. And she decided that uh, she would change her lifestyle quite dramatically and uh, there was a lovely sort of bit at the end where the award was given out to her co-host and uh, it was a good time really very nicely produced very glossy thing on twitch on youtube i think twenty-six thousand people were watching it live and it's been watched by double that now so yeah it it did it did very well
3: now uh, you wrote about evergreen podcast won for communicator award what were they
0: yeah, this was a separate awards, the Communicator Awards, and Evergreen Podcasts were very pleased to win that. There's also been awards, of course, from the Webbies. I always like the Webbies because I won one year both the judge's choice and the audience choice as well for the same thing for the Virgin Radio website, which I'm delighted by. So, therefore, the Webbies have a, a certain place in my heart. Um, so good to see so many podcast winners for that awards as well
3: now clean voice this is a new service called cleanvoice.ai it claims it will automatically remove ums and ers from audio you just upload the audio and it does it automatically for you james yeah what did you think of it it's really clever
0: really clever not just it gets rid of ums and ers and things like that we use descript of course but this system would do it automatically But even more of that sort of thing it does, they are working on, I say they, Adrian, is working on removing stuttering, which would be a good plan. I could have done that 50 years ago. And even when you stop a sentence halfway through and you rephrase what it is you're going to say, it will automatically spot that as well. So from Australia to Austria, I spoke with Adrian Spataru and he outlined what cleanvoice.ai can do.
1: In essence, it removes all the filler sounds you produce during talking. So, for example, um, which might be removed from this episode, I guess, and ers. But also, we want to remove other sounds like stuttering, or, for example, when you're rephrasing your sentence, and also other sounds which are, let's say, not nice to hear in a recording.
0: Okay, that's really interesting, and you're using... Artificial intelligence to do the Rs and the ums and the Urs. Normally we use Sam, and Sam normally edits them out using Descript, uh, which is a a relatively good way of doing it. But you're using some form of artificial intelligence? How does that work?
1: In essence, what we are doing, when I'm saying we, it's just myself. Sorry for that.
0: I'm used to that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You would see it from a phonetic perspective. The AI would try to find a phonetic sound of the um and the ers once it identified that phonetic sound, it also tries to see if it makes sense to remove it. Because when you're saying um, that um can come for in, in a way that it's in the sentence. So you could say, I, I, I think this is better than this. When you say than, that uh, sound same as um or whatever so the ai is a bit more smarter which it tries to identify if it makes sense to remove it if it's within the word or if it's just a filler sound so that's the basic approach how we do this
0: that's very clever and you were talking about getting rid of stuttering in mid uh, july i have stuttered and stammered all my life so uh, that would be quite a thing if you're able to get rid of that how is that going so far
1: so, currently, I have an algorithm which can remove some stutter. It's currently not available since, let's say, it detects every tenth stutter. And the problem also is, once you detect the stutter, it's not quite obvious how to correct it, since there's low ways of ways you can stutter and that every way of stuttering needs a certain way of editing to make the sound as natural as possible. So it's still a work in progress. That said, I think it's possible to do it since I have it can provide a ready value. And this technology
0: does it. You're joining us from Austria, and I'm I'm wondering whether it works in other languages other than just English.
1: That was one of the main motivations, not only in English but also other languages. Here in Europe, Descript, like I've seen Descript, script is an amazing tool. And it also can remove ums. It's not like uh, it cannot do something similar to what we are doing. But the big difference is that this script is limited only to an English language. And one of the big things is that here in Europe, we have so many languages. You have German, you have French, and so on. And we definitely support more languages than English.
0: Yeah, I think that's certainly a very helpful thing. And certainly I know, living in Australia, but speaking British English, I know that there's more than just one English as well. So (laughs) it's always fun sometimes when you're asking something which is used to American English to understand English or British English. Yeah, I'm sure that's a complicated thing. So who, if people wanted to try out your tool... How could they end up doing that? And what's the business model behind it?
1: So if you do it today, then you would have to buy a license key. And that license key would allow you to upload a single file or up to 10 files. Depends how many license keys you want. And then it will render that audio for you. So you will upload the audio. It would remove the arms. And then you get the clean audio back. Now, that's the current one. In a week, so... I guess, end of this week Mm -hmm. on Friday.
0: Which is tomorrow as this podcast goes out, yeah.
1: Then it will be a subscription-based model. So that will be starting from $10 where you can upload five hours of audio and you, again, same thing as before, but you without needing the license key.
0: Okay. Well, that's very cool. That's very cool. And in terms of the future, is this always going to be a tool at cleanvoice.ai, or is there going to be other ways that you can get rid of ums and ers in the future, perhaps by working with podcast hosting companies?
1: We are in early talks with certain companies to integrate clean voice. Currently, we still have to figure out a way which is sensible for both of us. Um, For now, that's a more longer term idea since my goal is to create the best um, remover and, and after that uh, we can see how we can integrate it to other platforms but that's more a long-term plan.
0: Yeah, sure. It's certainly a really interesting piece of technology and certainly a very clever uh, thing that you're doing here. So I'm particularly keen to find out how it goes on. What are you using under the hood, by the way? Are you using Amazon stuff or Google stuff or where's all of this stuff hosted? None of
1: that. The problem with these tools Mm. is that they're speech to text tools Mm -hmm. where you give an audio and it will give you the text back. And that's how the script removes ums because it knows where the ums are based on the text and Yeah, that's about it. The problem with these tools is that you cannot use them if you don't speak perfect English. If you're a native English person, it's not a problem. But especially if you want to support other languages, this is not the right way. In this case, I did the AI by myself since I'm a data scientist. I've been working with AI for a long time, so I built my own AI in that regard. And the current tools out there, like Google and so on, as mentioned, the problem is if you're not a native speaker, they don't provide much value.
0: So you're hosting this stuff yourself. It's your own AI, your own tools. This can't be the first AI piece of work that you've done in the past, Adrian. What other exciting things have you been working on?
1: Prior from this, except of work, of course, where I've done a lot of projects for clients, mm. my personal project was Bezier.ai, which is AI tool which helps you draw stuff. So for a graphic designer, you would maybe try an icon for your website. You would have an AI to do it for you instead. So, Yeah. It's not my first endeavor in that regard.
0: Wow. Gosh. So It's talking to people like you, Adrian, and then I, I realise how stupid I am and how little I know. So many congratulations. It's a great looking tool. And certainly, if anybody wants to have a play with it, cleanvoice.ai is where to go. Adrian, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, James. Really good to speak with Adrian. He's a bright man, isn't he? And by the way, if you tried um, cleanvoice.ai a couple of weeks ago, Adrian tells me that he improved the AI just yesterday on Wednesday, so it does an even better job, which is Really nice, and it's weird, isn't it, that you can have an upgrade of this sort of thing happening at the same time? So, really good to uh, see all of that.
3: I, I think it's interesting that this whole space is rapidly moving forward. It'll be a good comparison with what we do with Descript when we use this later.
0: Indeed. So, we can either use Clean Voice for this podcast. What's your thinking there, Sam? Shall we use Clean Voice for this podcast and not do any diaming and dierring otherwise?
3: Yeah, I think we'll see how it works. I think I'm going to put it through both because we have that fun of you editing and then I sub-edit. That's the best way to get it out there, James. I I think we'll try in both and just let's see what the result is. Maybe we can talk about it next week. Well, maybe we
0: can. Maybe that's a plan. I love the way that he also says, oh, yeah, I also built that thing that makes it automatic for you to paint and draw and things like that. And you go clever people who you (laughs) really want to succeed. Great to talk to Adrian earlier on.
3: Now. Apple and Spotify seem to be on a weekly bun fight. This week it's about lossless audio. Apple and Amazon have joined Spotify by announcing lossless audio for their music streaming services. The question is, will anyone notice what's happened, James? You wrote a big article on this.
0: I did. I wrote a big article on it. So I used to, when I worked in the radio industry, in the UK there's this thing called DAB, which broadcasts the radio over uh, the air. And lots of people were very moany at the audio quality because on a DAB radio you can see the bit rate. So you can see, is this 128K? Is this 64K? What is it? And lots of people were very moany about the audio quality quality. And I did a very sneaky and underhand thing once with a radio station that I ran called Virgin Radio The Groove, where we took The Groove's output and we changed it. So instead of saying 128k on the screen, it said 160k on the screen, because it was using 160k's worth of of bandwidth. And so lots of people emailed and said, how wonderful, you've improved the audio quality. It sounds brilliant. It sounds excellent. Thank you so (laughs) much for doing this. I just changed what the number said on your radio. I hadn't changed the audio quality (laughs) at all. I just filled... The extra 32K with some images, and I think that goes to show that for quite a lot of people, not everybody, but for quite a lot of people, audio quality is something that we just don't really notice, and we have to have something on our screen telling us that this is hi-fi sound. I am not entirely convinced that people are going to spot this, but Apple, Amazon, and Spotify have all said that they're going to be using 24-bit, 192 kilohertz audio, which is up to 3.7 megabits a second to listen to if you want to end up using that. So I think if you were to download a Joe Rogan podcast, it would be more than three gig if they were doing that in high res. But apart from anything else, you can't listen on virtually any headphones many devices bluetooth headphones won't work with it and secondly it's nothing to do with podcasts either so it's just purely music and i'm not sure that it's the right thing to do for podcasts maybe the right thing to do for music but as i say i'm not entirely convinced that most people will realize
3: as you know i do river radio and we're going to be starting at 32-bit mono there you go. It's so expensive, and I wonder how bad or good it will be. But 128, you said, or 160. Yeah, you know, that's over a hundred thousand a year.
0: Exactly. So if you can lower the amount of bitrate that you use without it sounding appreciably worse, then that's probably a plan. Interestingly, Apple, Amazon, and Spotify are all doing this. So Amazon and Apple have said that it'll be free for their users. Spotify Hi-Fi. I think they were planning on selling it as an additional fee for hi-fi sound, but I'm not sure they will now. And YouTube Music, which is the music service that I use, they have said they currently use 256k AAC, which, by the way, lots of tests have said that people can't tell the difference between that and lossless anyway. But they've said publicly that they won't be going higher than that because their music licensing costs would change quite dramatically if they did, which is interesting because hearing music licensing companies, the music companies, want to charge more for high quality audio is an interesting side which i hadn't appreciated so that's the wonderful world of music licensing which is always for fun
3: i think though this is one where apple will win now the reason i think that is about a year ago when apple started to launch numerous chips of its own so the headphones with Mm. an h1 chip in it with the apple home Studio, their equivalent to the the Alexa with the W1 chips in, mm. and the M1 chips. The fact that they've built this ecosystem of chips means that they can start to do cleverer stuff than Amazon or Spotify that are just software driven. And in the Apple announcement, they said that they will play Dolby Atmos tracks on all AirPods or Beat headphones with an H1 or W1 chip, as well as the built-in speakers in the latest iPhone, iPad, Max. So it tells me that they're going to use hardware acceleration to make that sound better. And I think that's going to be where, again, they will have an extensive advantage over Spotify and Amazon. So it'll be interesting to see when that comes out.
0: Absolutely. And my understanding of the way that Dolby Atmos can work is it can work in in terms of a very sort of spatial sound, where if you turn your head, you hear different things going on. So if you're listening to an orchestra, for example, and normally the violins are in the left side, the, uh, the double basses are in the right-hand side, but as you turn your head round, then obviously all of the instruments will change. And I think that's fine if the music's recorded in that way. If the music's not recorded in that way and most pop songs aren't recorded in that way, then I'm not quite sure what you're going to hear. But I'm sure that people will uh, spot that as this gets uh, more and more used by people who are making music. I'm sure it'll be something that people will get very excited about, whether or not people notice really is an interesting one, but not necessarily for podcasting. But who knows? There have been podcasts that have been announced, which have been called high-definition podcasts, and iHeartRadio did a lot of work with binaural sound as well, and they were getting very excited with that bit too.
3: <laughs> to be or not to be? Spotify or Apple? On Tuesday, Libsyn released their figures for April, saying that Apple's four times bigger than Spotify for podcast downloads. However, Buzzsprout released figures earlier this month saying that Spotify and Apple were now the same size. So they can't both be correct, James. What's going on?
0: (laughs) They can't both be right. And uh, my suspicion is that neither of them are right. I spent a month researching this, and I think I chatted a little bit about this uh, a month or so ago. I talked to a bunch of other companies as well to find out what was going on, and So partially, it's to do with Apple Core Media that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. So Buzzsprout was basically looking at any podcast plays from an Apple Core Media user agent and saying, we're just going to ignore all of those, whereas Libsyn was giving all of those numbers to Apple. And that's why the figures are so different here, because Buzzsprout have essentially taken all of the Apple Core numbers and gone, none of this is Apple which isn't correct. Libsyn has said all of it is Apple, which isn't correct either. My research at the moment says that it's about 58% of Apple core media being Apple podcasts. So that means that 42% isn't, but then that's just research on pod news, which isn't a normal podcast. It's normally listened to by people in the industry. At least you get some kind of an understanding there that maybe it's half and half. And in which case Libsyn is giving way too much numbers to Apple and Buzzsprout is giving way too little numbers uh, to Apple. And there's all kinds of other things as well. Buzzsprout is growing faster than Libsyn is currently, so therefore newer shows are more likely to be on Spotify than older shows. And Buzzsprout seems to have more shows which do better on Spotify, like Sport, for example, which does significantly better. So I think all of that is partially the reason why the figures are so different here. The other thing which I found fascinating, is I talked to Buzzsprout about whether or not they have any numbers for how many of their shows are on Spotify and how many of their shows are on Apple. And they have those numbers. And it turns out that they have more shows in Spotify than in Apple. So no surprise that Spotify almost bigger than Apple for B- Buzzsprout. But secondly, only 60% of Buzzsprout shows are in Apple Podcasts because it's so hard to get into Apple Podcasts, fiddling around with Podcast Connect and everything else. Only 60%. And I think that's the real interesting story here.
3: And have they fixed the Apple Connect yet? Is that-
0: Have they fixed Apple Connect yet? It's been a month since it's been launched. A month today. Marco Arment reported yesterday that ATP, which is his podcast, fell off Apple Podcasts for a while. He can't log into Apple Podcasts Connect. and It's been a month. I still can't see any analytics in Apple Podcasts. It says not enough data for the pod news podcast now pod news got 359 downloads from apple podcasts on tuesday if that's not enough data how much is enough data and it's very sad i've literally just been sending an email to my suffering friend at apple podcasts pr and saying is there a chance of an interview on this it's been a month now we should probably see whether or not apple might say anything and, and apple still aren't saying anything yet so who knows maybe i'll be given an interview with ben cave or although I would imagine that I'm more likely to be sent five brand new Apple uh, MacBook Pros and who knows what else, and that's not <laughs> going to happen either. Yeah, it's a it's a real shame to see not just that Apple Podcasts Connect still isn't working properly, but also that they're not saying anything, and I think that's the saddest thing there.
3: In the darkness, as you like to say, they're still giving us their mushroom strategy. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed they are. Now, Casted, this is a new company that got $7 million funding last month. They help larger companies promote their podcast better. James, you know more about Casted. I think you spoke to their CEO.
0: Yeah. Companies like Salesforce use Casted, but I reckon that there's probably something to learn here for every podcaster as well. So I talked to co-founder Lindsay Chepkema, and I asked her how she got into the podcast space in the first place.
2: I am a career marketer. I spent 15 years in B2B marketing. So I have lived the lives of those that, that we at Casted are now serving. So I've seen B2B marketing, I've seen content marketing from every angle, small boutique agency and up to those large enterprises and realized, hey, the way that we are approaching content marketing is becoming antiquated. It's all focused around blogging and keywords and SEO, which is great. All of those things are great, but our audiences really want this content, what you and I are doing right now, this these conversations where they feel really connected to a brand and that they can hear and see and experience something that they feel really matters and is relevant to them. So what if we put that at the center? So I've seen that, I've experienced it throughout my career. Right before starting Casted, I was brought into a large global enterprise to start and run a content strategy. Long story short, as part of that strategy, I wanted that connection that I just talked about with our audience and I wanted to grow our brand that way. So we started a podcast. This was in 2017 that we started working on. I think we launched it in 2018, which seems like just yesterday, but is becoming, it's years ago now. So we launched a show and found that it was really great, did what we wanted it to do. It created relationships with our audience around the world. It pulled together our internal audience of team members around the world, but I was shocked that there was no platform to help me do that. We had to piecemeal together all these one-off tools and point solutions, most of which were not made for an enterprise marketing team, and many of which weren't even made for podcasting. It was like a recording tool that you can use to podcast. And we made it work, and, and we found ways to measure what we felt like it mattered, but it was very cumbersome, and it was very frustrating for me as a marketing leader not to be able to go to my CEO and my CMO and say, this is working and I know it, and here's why, and here's how it's influencing revenue, here's how it's impacting the business. basically I set out to be the change I wanted to see and create that platform. And so uh, a little over two years ago now, that's how Casted was born. As I, I said, you know, what if we had in the world, a content marketing platform that served marketing teams in a way that let them put the content that their audiences really want, rich audio, video content at the center of their strategies and helped them ring it out, help them not turn it and burn it um, and measure it in a way that really mattered for the brand. And yeah, that's, that's how it all happened.
0: And your website has a lot of excellent language on it. One of the, one of it talks about, there are quite a lot of podcast brands out there, churning and burning episodes. I love churning and burning. What do you mean by that?
2: <laughs> so quite often when a brand, I think even more broadly speaking, anyone who does a podcast, they, they create the podcast, they produce the podcast, they publish the podcast, however, whatever that process looked like, and then they move on to the next thing. And you're leaving so much value behind because there's a lot of, goodness in each and every conversation. You get a subject matter expert or somebody who's really passionate about a topic on your show to talk about everything that they know about. And you leave all that in that episode, in that little container that's set on this shelf when you could be wringing it out. You could be getting back in there and using more from it, pulling clips, pulling takeaways, equipping your sales team with it, creating supplemental blog content or article content with it. Um, There's just so much more you can do other than let it turn and burn and just go on to the next thing.
0: And so Casted what allows you to search through previous podcasts and that sort of thing or how does it work?
2: Yeah, so in a nutshell, you're a marketer and you are managing a podcast and so you have your host, whoever that may be, go have a great conversation, you record it, that show gets produced and you have this lovely episode. That's where Casted as a software platform comes into play. So you upload that episode into the Casted platform. We host it and syndicate it out to whatever player that works for you, Apple, Spotify, lots of others are getting involved now as well. But then we also give it a place to live on your site. So uh, a microsite, a home that has the houses the entire show and every episode gives your audience a really nice branded experience as they come and consume your content on that that page on that microsite, you can share key takeaways and little clips and related content. But then also on the back end, you get a transcription for every single episode. So, from there, yes, to your point, yes, you can go back and search through every um, piece of audio and video content that you've uploaded into Cast It. So, you can resurface content that you already have, you can repurpose it, you can reuse it, you can clip it up and share it as opportunities present themselves to reuse that content and make even more of it. And then, yeah, just ringing it out and amplifying it across all other channels.
0: That's very cool. And uh, something that I used to do an awful lot around some of the websites that I used to run was making sure that as much of the content as possible was evergreen. So you could Mm -hmm. go in, reuse as many little chunks of content as you possibly could. And it sounds as if that's doing exactly that for podcasting as well, which is uh, great.
2: It's true, and then with analytics, with metrics that really matter specifically, because again, we're talking about um, marketing teams that represent brands, specifically you know, enterprise B2B. Um, so metrics that matter, to the business to say, what of this content is, yes, great content and, and great marketing, but also what's influencing revenue? What's influencing pipeline? What's influencing renewals and, and the metrics that matter to the brand? And how can I, as a marketer, get back in there and resurface things that are going to continue to move the needle, so to speak, for my business?
0: So you could work out whether or not a po- uh, somebody who's listened to a podcast again goes and buys a product or buys a subscription or whatever it might be.
2: Yeah, yep, by integrating with CRM and plugging into, flowing into that information that you and your sales team and your business is already using to manage that entire the sales process and the customer relationships. Yeah, you can absolutely see how it's all working together and what to do more of.
0: So, who are some of your current uh, customers? Are they all massively large companies?
2: We work with um, like mid market on up to yeah enterprise. So, of course, Salesforce, PayPal, HubSpot's also a customer and a great partner of ours. Drift is a, a fantastic brand and a wonderful partner and customer of ours. Yeah, we work with uh, a lot of SaaS companies. I think by default, they are early adopters, not just of us, but of podcasts in general. But yeah, lots, lots of other financial institutions and venture capital firms are, are big into thought leadership and therefore podcasting. So yeah, a nice range of, of industries and, and company sizes.
0: Always nice to hear a pod news supporter of, of a HubSpot getting mentioned. That's uh, always a good thing. <laughs> are there any plans to make this available to smaller podcasters as well? Or are you really focusing on that sort of size of company?
2: Yeah, so we are made for and designed for you know, that mid market on up to, to enterprise. That said, we do have a few smaller customers that have prioritized this approach saying, hey, we're going to put our shows, audio and video content at the center. That's, there's a huge opportunity for us. And thought leadership is massive. It, it does create more connection with your audience. It does build more relationships with your audience. And yeah, just because you're small doesn't mean that you can't prioritize that. But typically, yeah, we are the best fit for kind of that mid size mm. on up to very large company.
0: Now, last month, you announced a $7 million funding round. Many congratulations on that. I'm guessing because I'm talking to you on your private yacht at the moment, I'm guessing that that's where the money's <laughs> going. No, yeah, we- don't,
2: don't tell the investors. <laughs> yep, I just, yeah, mm-hmm, swindled it all.
0: What, what will you be spending all of that money on?
2: Yeah, it's growth. That's the, the shortest answer is growth. We've got to continue to innovate on product. And I truly mean innovate, not just churn out. Here's a new feature and here's something additional for... Uh, product growth sake but truly innovating and say and guiding our customers into next generation of content marketing to say truly put conversations at the center here's how we're the the first and only platform that's doing that first of course there's different ways that you can have a podcast if you're a brand but we are we are the ones that are taking our customers and really the industry by the hand and saying what if you did marketing this way? What if you approached content marketing this way? And so it's up to us to continue to lead the way with really great product innovation. And then when we do that, we have to continue to talk about it. So fueling fueling our voice and making sure that people uh, hear about us and know about us. And yeah, just growth across the board serving our customers well.
0: The other thing that I noticed looking through the Casted website, which is at casted.us, is random mentions of something called PodCat. <laughs> Tell us what Podcat is.
2: Podcat is our... I keep saying unofficial mascot, but I think he's pretty official at this point. Yeah. He's all over the website. Yes, he's, he's a grumpy little purple cat. And he... Yeah, he shows up everywhere and he dressed up as lady, I can't remember, but from Bridgerton. Yeah, I don't know if you're a Bridgerton fan, but okay. most recently that's what yeah. Podcat was dressed up as. And the way that Podcat came to be was our designer, Byron Elliott, who's enormously talented, was in a mm-hmm. meeting with us. He was our first hire. I have two co-founders, so Adam and Zachary and I were talking about Product Roadmap and Byron was there. And Adam accidentally wrote Podcat instead of podcast on the board. And of course, what good designers do, he started doodling and PodCat was born. And we were like, no, that's not a doodle. That's a thing. <laughs> and so, yeah, PodCat came about very organically and uh, found his home with us.
0: PodCat's a thing. it's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for your retirement for your and, and keep in touch as you continue growing.
2: Thank you so much for this show. We have, uh, you know, a business doing podcasts, listening to your podcast about podcasts has been enormously helpful. So it's been a real pleasure to be here.
0: Great to talk with Lindsay. I reckon it's always a good idea to make the most of the content that you have. It's um, very easy, I think, to publish a show once, assume that it's been out there and everybody's heard it, and then forget about it. And I think their tool is a great way to help the companies that they work with link back again and again. And I think that's a great tip for every podcaster, big or small, even if you can't afford this particular tool. Remember all of the archive stuff that you've got and link back to it whenever you can. I think that's always a good plan.
3: Yeah, cross-promote. Now, Spotify, back in the news again, James, with transcripts, it seems as part of a wider piece of work for better accessibility, Spotify is to begin auto-transcribing some of its podcasts in the next few weeks. Now, is this something that Spotify should be doing? Is it a good idea? What's behind it?
0: Yeah, I think it probably is something that they could, that they should be doing. They plan to enable transcripts for every podcast in the future, but they will be auto-transcribing the podcasts that they own already. And I hate to say I told you so, Sam, but back in May of last year, I spotted something in the Terms and Conditions, the new Spotify Terms and Conditions, which said that they were thinking about automated transcripts. So I was quite pleased to be first with the news a year ago. <laughs> which is always a nice thing. But I also wrote something at the time around automated transcripts and whether or not all podcasters wanted those. The problem with an automated transcript is that it's about 95% accurate, which means that every one word out of every five is wrong. That's not quite how maths works, but you, you get the idea. There's an awful lot of wrong words in there. So automated transcripts aren't always the best plan. One would question, how could I go in and correct Spotify's transcript? Is that a thing? And anyway, the podcast index has a podcast transcript tag, which is now available. And maybe Spotify should be using that one as well. The good news is if you use Chrome as your web browser or you're on an Android phone, then live captions are available for every podcast app that you use, which is a great thing if you're on an Apple phone. Unfortunately, you're a bit left out for now. But a good thing, I think, in terms of accessibility from Spotify's point of view.
3: Is that the only benefit of transcripts? We've been told time and time again that it's got an SEO or podcast SEO functionality. Do you think it has, or is it just something that we just do and uh, and hope that Google index it?
0: I'm sure that Spotify will feed in these automated transcripts into their own search engine, which is really, when people talk about podcast SEO, it's very much, I think, talking about what the podcast app search engines kick back rather than what Google does. I'm still not very convinced that Google has a massive impact on podcasts discoverability, although who knows, maybe it does. But it'll certainly help. And I know that Apple have been doing stuff like this in the past. So if you do a search within the Apple Podcasts app, then you do get some results which are clearly automated transcripts in that particular app. I'm sure that there are benefits in terms of SEO. There's clear benefits in terms of podcast reporters, as Carmen said from The Verge when she was uh, tweeting about this, because it'll make life an awful lot easier for all of us to be able to quickly skim through through a podcast and find out what was said in it so that we can then go and find out the the actual bit of the audio so that'll be useful but uh, all of this kind of stuff is I think very handy as long as it gives the content creator the control that they really ought to have because they are the people that make the content. And if I want to opt out of automated transcripts or if I want to be able to go in and correct them, then to my mind, I should be able and afforded the opportunity to do that. It'll be
3: long before we're not needed, by the way. You know that, James, don't you?
0: Yes, I, I, was, talking, I was talking only this morning to Brian Barletta from Sounds Profitable, who has found this amazing piece of automated tools that will learn your voice and do a better job of it than D de- and apparently we won't be needed at all so uh, (laughs) who knows I was
3: thinking there's AI software that can write posts now so the Washington Post had been using that Mm. for some of their sports journalism so you've got the ability to write the post you've got overdub and other voice tools that will speak the text you then can auto transcript it and there's software now that will auto summarise a transcript as well so you could get the, the summary back at the other end if you wanted
0: yeah and um, done in your voice if you wanted to as well and all of that I think is <laughs> is really interesting. What might be really interesting is to give a bunch of software or the entire RSS feed that I use to produce pod news with give it all of that and basically say go (laughs) and it would take all of those stories make short short versions of each of them stick them all together get me to voice them automatically that would be a thing maybe i'll do that when i'm away on a holiday at some point in the future when i can leave (laughs) this country
3: also uh, a company i found today that just launched type studio.co which is another audio transcribing software, but it's in browser only. Yeah.
0: Ah, interesting. I shall check it out.
3: Now, just to finish off with, there was a couple of stories that I thought I'd ask you about The first one, we keep talking about them. Netflix is said to be expanding their podcast activity and taking pitches from production companies. So now last week you said you thought it might just be them putting a podcast out for a film or TV show that they had. But this seems to suggest that it's a broader use of podcasting.
0: Yes, and I'm not quite sure what the underlining story is. I remember reporting on something called Netflix Plus, which they're apparently working on, which is some kind of get-closer-to-the-action portal that will be inside the Netflix app. So maybe it's that. But the fact that they're taking pitches from other independent companies seems to suggest that they've got more ambitions in that field. Who knows? Maybe on the other side, maybe they're using podcasting as... Amazon is, for example, as a way of incubating story ideas and things that they can then turn into TV shows in the future. Maybe that's the plan. Really don't know. But I think it's interesting to keep an eye on. And you're there absolutely convinced that Netflix is going to buy Spotify. I'm there convinced that Netflix is going to crash and burn because it's um, spending so much money. It's increasingly reliant on these massive, great, big budget shows and we're already seeing the fight back of Paramount and Disney and all of these other streaming services, and I wonder... Whether Netflix's first mover advantage, which they clearly had, is going to be something that is almost worthless now, and who knows whether n- Netflix may fall apart in the next year or so? I, I, I guess you are very much you are very much a, a, a glass half full person, and I'm a, <laughs> a glass half empty person when it comes to large companies such as this.
3: I think you're arguing the same point for me because if Netflix films and TV starts to wane because of the other companies they will need to find a secondary revenue stream. And that's when I think they will go to Spotify.
0: Uh Aha, yes. That probably makes sense, maybe.
3: And I think when you see Amazon making a £9 billion bid for MGM this week, I think you're beginning to see that triple play getting much more serious. Films, TVs, music, podcasts. I think they're all playing in that same space. It'll be interesting to watch. But I'm still taking my bet, Netflix, to buy Spotify.
0: We will see on that. I appear to be winning the bet on on Clubhouse not being around in six months, but judging by some of
3: the latest download figures. Yes, 90% down. Now, the other one that caught my eye was Spotify's hiring a new podcast boss, according to Bloomberg.
0: Yes, Spotify is fascinating to me. They have so many different podcast bosses. And so this story in Bloomberg is basically saying that they're going to get another one. And so they're essentially looking for somebody else to look after podcasts and splitting the podcasts that they have into more divisions. I'm already confused enough about what's going on in terms of Spotify's podcasts. Do you remember that Barack Obama and Bruce Springfield exclusive Mm. podcast, Renegades, Exclusive until last week, when all of a sudden it appeared on Apple Podcasts. Oh, so you, like yeah! So you can now listen to that on Apple Podcasts, which is exactly the same as they did with the Michelle Obama show. And so, some others of their exclusives appear not to be exclusives. Anymore. Maybe that's a windowing thing. Maybe that's a complete change of strategy from the strategy that they told their investors. I don't know. But there's weird things going on at uh, Spotify at the moment in terms of their podcast uh, strategy. And the fact that they are hiring more management is always a slight concern i tell you after somebody that was worked for the bbc for two years the least thing that you want is more managers yes (laughs) get rid of them you absolutely don't need any more of those yeah interesting seeing what's going to happen at spotify there
3: Uh, expect joe rogan on apple anytime soon then
0: uh, yes, or maybe. Which, is, which, by the way, is a, w- a really weird thing with Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is still in Apple Podcasts. The feed is. The old feed is still in Apple Podcasts. There's one show in there which dates from April of last year, randomly, and that's it. There's no other shows. There's no communication in that feed at all that Joe Rogan is now available exclusively on Spotify. There are no clips being posted. There's no opportunity. That's the most subscribed to podcast of for, for a certain generation. It's the most subscribed to podcast. Yet Spotify aren't using the Libsyn feed that they have to promote the fact that Joe Rogan is now exclusive on the Spotify platform. And that to me is just really weird. Why would you throw away that incredible opportunity that you have to reach Joe Rogan listeners themselves By putting something new in that podcast feed, maybe somebody's forgotten their Libsyn password. Maybe they should uh, be dropping Elsie an email to say, what's the password again? I've forgotten it. But you look at that and you think, surely that's uh, an obvious thing to do. So again, I don't really
3: understand how Spotify works. Maybe this new person who they're hiring will clear it all up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> maybe there will who knows now podcasts sam we've not really talked about the amount of content that we listen to and i think it would be nice to do that every week so i was wondering what podcast are you listening to at the moment
3: so i tend to listen to tech podcasts i, I have the same thing with my book reading i don't read fiction books it has to be non-fiction i can't see the point A bit like Spike Milligan. I read the last chapter of a fiction book just in case I die before the end, really. Um, Don't have any value in it. So my podcasting listening is very much the same. I listen to Scott Galloway. I listen to Kara Swisher with Sway. They're the main podcasts i listen to obviously the pod news daily of course Um, yes of course
0: every everybody does
3: yeah of course and (laughs) it's quite interesting whether you consider audible to be a podcast or it's not because i listen to a lot of audio books and the current one that i'm listening to is the prisoners of geography 10 maps that will tell you everything you need to know about global politics by tim marshall
0: Oh, yes, Tim Marshall, the Sky News correspondent. Yes, he's. Yeah. Yes, I think I read a bit of that, and I enjoyed a bit of that. There's also an app which I would heartily recommend called Blinkist, which mm. takes books, and it's always historically taken books and edited them down so that they're a short read, and you get the gist of the book in there. But what they've started doing is they've started turning those into audiobooks so you can listen to an audiobook that only takes 15 or 20 minutes. And what they've even started doing now is taking podcasts and made short versions of those podcasts, which is quite a clever plan on there as well so it's a paid for service but might be worthwhile but in terms of podcasts are, you, are you, what podcasts specifically don't evade my question
3: mr. sethy are you listening to no as I said I don't I, I only listen to as I said Scott Galloway is one that I love listening to I think his views on the industry and what's going on are generally good and then sway which is Cara swishers so yeah. they're the two main ones I listen to I used to listen to uh, a few others but they've dropped off my list now. And going back to Blinkist, not to avoid the subject, uh, before I ask you what yours are, I used a similar service when I was doing my MBA many years ago, and it's the only way I got through it. So there was a a company in New York that would take all the business books, and this is how old we are, or I am, and put them onto cassette tape, and then they would send you those cassette tapes back to the (laughs) UK. Yes, and on my train journey home, I would listen to the books. So my professor on my MBA, who was saying, read all these books, and then I'd come back with these summaries the next couple of days, he'd be like, how the hell are you reading all these books so fast? And I never told him. But yes, that's, <laughs> and it worked really well. Got a great result in my MBA for that. Thank you very much.
0: Well, I'm, I'm amazed that they were able to ship the wax cylinders to you and that they, they, they didn't break <laughs> on the steamer in between the US and the UK. Good. Yeah, I, I have been listening to The Lazarus Heist, which is all about a North Korea hacking group. It's a weird listen. It's a podcast from the BBC. It's a podcast which is full of ad breaks for their own shows, which is really weird. So they've clearly understood the benefit of cross promos, which is a nice thing. And there's also something slightly weird about listening to stories of the propaganda that comes out of North Korea on a podcast which has been produced by a state-funded broadcaster of a Western nation. Because you can't help but think that there's probably a little bit of propaganda <laughs> on that side of it as well. But it's a fascinating lesson. It's really interesting. It starts off with the Sony entertainment hack after Sony was bringing out a new film about the killing of King kim jong-il or kim jong whichever of the kims it was and then goes into lots of other things that the north koreans have also apparently been involved with
3: so uh well worth a listen clearly my podcasting has to be listening to the winners of the ambi so i'm going to go back and listen to dying for sex this week <laughs> and why
0: not? What's been going on for you in Podland this week, Sam?
3: Unlike you, who's much busier, so I will ask you in a second. I've been kindly invited by Harry Morton onto the podcast 24 as a panelist. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Oh yes, this is the Planets podcasting conference at podcastday24.com. It's on Monday the 7th of June, and you can come to the conference itself in Sydney for eight hours at the beginning of the day, which I'm helping programme, and then it continues in London, where you are presumably, and then in North America, when neither of us are. You can buy tickets now at podcastday24.com, and if you use code PNEWSDAY21, that's P News Day twenty one. Then you can save some money. I'm not quite sure how much you save, but I'm sure that you save some money. So uh, well worth doing. Uh, Monday the seventh of June, and also I'm taking part in the BBC Podcast Festival, which is happening a little bit sooner than that. You'll find links if you do a search for BBC Podcast Festival in Pod News. That's all free, and uh, I'm speaking on the final session on May the twenty seventh. Which reminds me, my slides need to be in for today, and I haven't even started <laughs> doing them yet. Oh dear. <laughs> but that's the story of my life so there we go that's it for this week come back to podland next time follow us in your podcast app or we're at podland.news on the web
3: and if you have any comments or questions please send us a voice comment to questions at podland.news or tweet us at podland news
0: If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast is free in your podcast app, and that's where you'll find the links for all the stories we've mentioned this week. Our music is from Ignite Jingles. We used Clean Feed and Riverside this week, and we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout.
3: Please tell your friends and colleagues about Podland. We'd love if they joined us. And we'll see you in Podland next week, and I'll explain to my wife why I'm listening to a podcast called Dying for Sense.